Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host Christopher Anderson, here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour. I am your host, Christopher Anderson. And today's episode is about, well, it's about you. We haven't done a you in a while, and and it's important to do it from time to time because you are really the most important component of your firm, the quintessential component, one might say. And if you'll remember, we have this triangle of things that a law firm business must do. We have to acquire new clients. We call that acquisition. We have to produce the results that we promise to those clients. We call that production. And then we have to achieve the business and professional results for the owners. In other words, pay them back for their investment of their time, money, sweat, blood, tears into the business. So today's episode is about those business results and how you are at the center of achieving them. And I'm really excited to have Michael Morse. He is the founder of the Mike Morse Law Firm as my guest. And the name of the episode today is You Can't Do It All and You Shouldn't Try. And uh, again, Michael Morse, the founder of Michael Morse Law Firm. Mike sent us a bio, but he also sent us some other stuff. So I kind of mishmashed it together and I'll do my usual terrible job of introducing Mike. But I like to start with the most important thing, which was that Mike was fired from his first job. I think that's important, uh, important piece of bio. Then his business office burnt. Then he was fired by his largest referral source. And uh, Mike admits that in the first 13 years of his practice, he did it pretty much all on his own. He didn't have much business knowledge. He didn't have a real mentor, um, but he got one and then eventually started working with Gino Wickman as a coach and began to understand that a law firm really is a business. He's written a story about that, and he's grown his business. We'll, we'll learn a little bit more about it, but uh, you know, to a fairly impressive size. Um, and he's written a book called Fireproof, which I have thoroughly enjoyed myself, how to take your firm slash business from unpredictable to wildly profitable. The Mike Morse Law Firm is the largest personal injury firm in Michigan. He's grown to 150 employees. He serves 25, has served 25,000 clients and has collected more than a billion with a for victims in auto, truck, and motorcycle accidents. He's been invited to lecture across the country on the practice of law and how to build a successful law firm. The Fireproof book has reached number one Amazon bestselling uh, author status. And I think also impressively, he's founded Project Backpack, uh, which is a program that provides free backpacks and school supplies to students who need them. So with that, you know what, that wasn't such a terrible introduction. But anyway, Mike, welcome to the show. It was a little depressing, Chris. I got to be honest. I was thinking uh, I I needed to call my therapist after recapping my life like that. But um, I'm really happy to be here. I am happy to have you. Um, And, you know, you and I have spoken before. uh, After I read your book, we talked a little bit about coaching and how important it is. But I named the episode based on kind of the stuff we've talked about before. You can't do it all. From your story, from what I understand, you've learned that truth the hard way. And part of the mission of the Unbillable Hour is to help our listeners learn it the less hard way. So just tell us what, what, what do you mean by you learned to not do it all? Like what were you doing and what did you learn? So it's almost like a perfect, I guess I'm sitting here. This is my 30th year practicing law. I had my anniversary last week from graduating law school 30 years ago. Truly, Chris, for the first 15 years of my practice, I did everything. 
I found every client. I did all the writing. I did every trial. I did the disbursements. I hired everybody. I found office space. I paid all the bills. I, you know, made all the decisions. If a secretary wasn't coming in, she'd call me. If somebody wanted a raise or wasn't, I mean, I did everything. And what I have found by going around the country lecturing is that most people listening to this podcast are in that same boat. They're doing everything. And in law school, that's, you know, there's no discussion about business. Okay. There's nothing. There's no discussion about how to run your business, what it takes to be a business. In fact, Chris, I can dare to say in three year, three years of law school, they never said that a law firm is a business. Right. I did not know a law firm was a business until I met uh, Gina Wickman, who said, Michael, dummy, uh, it's a business. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, okay, well, what does that mean? And then, so for the second 15 years of my career, I've been treating it like a business. So like, I'm a perfect example of what not to do and what to do, because I'll tell you, I grew my firm to almost 30 people in those first 15 years. I have no idea how I did it. Tongue in cheek, I'm saying that I did it by doing everything. And I think I had some good business sense without even being trained in it. And then when I got business sense, when somebody said, this is a, this is what data looks like. This is what a scorecard or jumbotron looks like. This is what proper hiring and firing looks like. This is what a visionary is and what a COO is. And your law firm needs a COO. I'm like, what? Law firms don't have COOs. Law firms have lawyers running it. And it was all foreign to me. But once I adopted those ideas in my own practice, none of them that I came up with myself, my business took off from 30 people to 150 people, from 17 million in settlements to 160 million in settlements in five years. I mean, like not in a long time. And the only difference was I I was introduced to business concepts that actually made sense. I learned how to have good meetings. I learned how to hold people accountable. I learned that I was a visionary, never heard (laughs) that term before, and that I shouldn't be running my firm doing all those things that I'm not great at, didn't love to do, didn't know how to do, didn't have the the patience for. And And I also learned a very important tool that you and I talked about, the one word called delegation. Yes. And lawyers are terrible delegators because every lawyer listening to this podcast thinks they're the best at certain things, if not everything. And they're like, I can't delegate that. I can't delegate that. But I would, my firm would fail if I delegated that. And one of my missions in writing the book and and lecturing around the country is to, to, to look them in the eye and tell them they're dead wrong. All right. But so let's, what I want to do, because obviously you and I agree, right? That that's wrong, but I want to go back to those first 15 years. Cause I think a lot of listeners are maybe saying, Hey, in 15 years, he was doing $17 million in settlements. He had a team of 30. That's not so bad. So they may be saying, like, until I reach that, I don't need to do any of this stuff. Like that, once you reach that 17 people, which I'm going to guess at that point is you were taking home, if you're doing 17 million in settlements, the firm was grossing, let's figure six, and you're taking home maybe one and a half of that to two. A lot of people will say that's pretty good. So what do you have to say to those who might say, okay, well, when I get there, then I'll, I'll listen to Mike. I wasn't happy. Yeah. I, I was doing too much. And I'm one of the, I think Gino says there's like one or one and a half percent of the people are visionaries out there. And, and most visionaries like to learn. It's one of our traits. I think you're probably have a lot of visionary in you and you love to learn and you love to teach. 
And if people are tuning into podcasts, they love to learn. And so if you're a visionary, you have lots of ideas and, and it's frustrating not do, getting those ideas done. And right. so when I learned that I'm allowed to delegate, when I learned that I'm allowed to hire a COO or a really good second in command, and that that person can help offload all that stuff that I was doing that I didn't like to do and I was terrible at, my life got so much better. And yeah, I, my income went up 20 times, but that wasn't what made me happy. What made right. me happy was that I was doing five or six things in my life and I had more freedom, more autonomy, less stress, making more, and I was happier. So the people who are making a million, $2 million with 30 employees, yeah, that's pretty good, but you got to be happy. If you're not happy and you're not living your best life, then then what, what's the point? And so it all came at a really good time for me in the mid 2000s, late 2000s, seven, eight, because, you know, I, I had three young kids and I wanted to be at every game and every recital. And I, I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And so just because I was making money didn't mean I was happy. The second I hired a coach and went into my sessions and started delegating, I become, I became way happier. And that's my answer to those people thinking, what, what's the guy complaining about? Yeah. Good. I mean, I think that's important to hear. Like, you probably would have been happier if you'd done it when you had four employees or three employees, like somewhere much earlier in the process. When you were explaining about like what changed for you, you mentioned two things, two roles. One, you said something about having a COO, and the other one is you said you got a coach, and you Gino Wickman specifically. Which one came first? Did you get a COO first? Did you get uh, start working with Gino first. Gino. I didn't know law firms were allowed to have COOs, Chris. I swear to you. When I tell you that I had no business sense, I didn't know that I should know my numbers. The way I didn't know the different. I didn't know how to really. I hired. I like. Oh, you're nice. That was a nice ten minute interview. I'm going to hire you. Right. So it's way more systematic now. I never had processes before. Um, I didn't have a jumbotron where I could see all of my important data. And, you know, I just, I didn't, I didn't know so many things. And once I, once Gina opened my eyes to these things, everything changed. And now when I get to introduce these ideas and see these aha moments, it's so fun. It's so exciting. And that's one reason I'm helping teach and coach. Cool. And I do want to ask you about that as well. So we're talking to Mike Morse, uh, Michael Morse, but he's the uh, he is the CEO, the founder of the Mike Morse Law Firm. We're talking to him about his early days and the kind of aha moment that led to working with a coach and then working with a COO. We're going to take a break here and hear from the folks who actually pay for this show. Uh, but when we come back, Mike, I want to ask you, because you've said delegation and how important it was, but people throw that word around without really knowing what it means. I'd like you to kind of talk a little bit about when we come back from this break, what delegation means to you. But first, a word from our sponsors. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it you get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. 
Law Clerk's nationwide network of talented freelance lawyers is trusted by thousands of law firms. Solo attorneys and firms can get help with the project-based work and also ongoing work via a subscription. Sign up is free and there are no monthly fees. You only pay when you delegate work. Plus, Law Clerk has a new app for your mobile device to help you manage the work you've delegated while you're on the go. Be sure to use referral code UNBILLABLE when you sign up at lawclerk.legal. We're talking with Mike Morse. He's the author of Fireproof and the founder of the Mike Morse Law Firm. Mike, when we left, we were just beginning to talk about, well, you've mentioned delegation a few times. And I mean, I think a lot of listeners will be like, well, I delegate stuff all the time. And I'm going to guess that before you met Gino Wickman, you thought you delegated things too. So what did you learn? What does delegation really mean to you? So I think, you know, look, lawyers, of course, delegate writing assignments, depositions, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. Right. I'm talking about the running of the law firm. Most lawyers I know run their law firms. Okay, great. That's fine. They run their law firms. But if you have the desire to scale, if you have the desire to help more people, if you have the desire to grow the firm, you cannot do it if you do everything. If you're in charge of everything, including being the rainmaker. And most founders of firms, you don't found a firm if you're not really, if you're not a true entrepreneurial visionary type, right? I mean, if you if you're if you have no entrepreneurial visionary sense, in my opinion, you're working for somebody. Probably yeah. making, making money, making a salary, and you're always gonna just be a worker and make salary. Nothing wrong with that. I got 150 of those lovely people and I couldn't do without them. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing. I was born, some would say it could be a curse, it could be a gift with the visionary entrepreneurial bent that I have 10 ideas a day. And I managed to build my firm, 27, 28 people. And then I'm going to tell you a quick story. I went to see Gina Wickman my first day and I brought three of my top people. They weren't my leadership team yet. They were just three of my top people who'd been with me the longest. I didn't have a leadership team. I didn't Let me know. ask you, had, had you read Traction yet or? Yes. Okay. Simultaneously with that meeting. Simultaneously. Okay. I read it in a couple of days and I didn't have, Gino says, bring your leadership team. I said, what's a leadership team? <laughs> exactly. And so I grabbed three people. I shut down my office for that day, you know, basically. And um, he encouraged me during that first eight hour day to tell them why we were there, what's wrong, why I wasn't happy. And I looked around the room and I got vulnerable and I said, guys, I can't do anymore. I can't move. I'm dying. I'm doing everything. Everybody in the firm is reporting to me and I can't do it. And my top lawyer raised his hand and said, Michael, how about if all the lawyers who have questions come to me from now on, if they want a day off, if they want to raise, if they have a problem with the case, they come to me. My head secretary, Lori, says, how about if all the secretaries come to me and I'll train them and I will deal with their, their time off and I will deal with where they sit? My head paralegal said, how about if all the paralegals come to me? And that was all my employees. So in a eight-hour meeting, I walked out of that session with at least 50% of the burden taken off my shoulder. And I literally was able to breathe for the first time in many, many, many years. And what happened was magical. So not only did I feel lighter, but that ceiling opened up above my head and I was able to do more. 
Okay. All those ideas I started being able to implement all those marketing ideas, all those lunches I didn't take, all those people I wanted to call for new cases. I couldn't, I could now do. And you know what happened, Chris? My firm doubled in the next two years. Yeah. And then it doubled again. And then it doubled again. And the year after this story I told you, my 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 building burned down. Yeah. And Gino, we had a session with Gino shortly after that. And we told him and, you know, I'm in near tears. And he says, so, so now you're going to do all the things you're doing and rebuild your old building and deal with the contractors and deal with the insurance and deal with this. He says, Michael, don't be cheap. Go hire a good COO. You could afford it. And I was frugal in those early days. I didn't know what was going to happen. I, I had bad stuff happening to me. My dad died when I was 22. I got fired from that first job when I was 25, but I, I had, I I was scared. And I said, okay, you're right. And it was the greatest thing I did. 14 and a half years ago, I hired John Knockhazel and he was not a lawyer. He was a very smart MBA and he was a leader and a manager. And he was the opposite of me, (laughs) the opposite of me. He liked to manage and lead. He was he liked to read those long contracts. He, he had patience. He had attention to detail, which is the opposite of visionaries. Okay. So he took over and we, we, we had an org chart. I'm at the top of the org chart. He's number two. And then all my direct reports, we had five or six at that time reported to him. All right. of a sudden, nobody's coming to see me anymore. <laughs> Did you get they, lonely? So it freed me up. Not really. It freed me up again. So this right. is a year, year and a half later, and it freed me up again. So all those new activities that I was doing to build up my firm, he took over a lot of the day-to-day things that I that had creep, crept back into my world. Right. And then my direct reports weren't even coming to me anymore. They were going to him. I had to learn that he was now the boss of my law firm. Right. And people are listening to this thinking, no way. There's no way I'm turning over the ownership of my, not the ownership, the running of my day-to-day of the law firm to a stranger, to an MBA, to a non-lawyer. Is that ethical? Is that legal? What the hell is he talking about? This firm's my baby. These employees are working here because of me. The ego, right? All these things. Yes, the ego play. And it took Gino years to, to, to really coach me through that John is the boss. John is the tiebreaker. John makes the ma- makes the decisions, but knowing what's in my heart, him and I talk all the time. We have our one-on-ones. He knows what's important to me and he makes it happen. It's not his will, his vision. It's my vision that I give to him and he implements it. Right. That's the major difference, right? It's still my firm. It's still my vision, but he makes sure I, I give him an idea. John, I want to go into social security. John, I want to handle employment cases. John, I want to invest in some mass tort cases. John, I want to take on more cases. I want to take on less cases. I want to expand. He does it. Let me ask you though. So like, because it's so interesting, like when someone reads traction or fireproof for that matter, we get this information, we get this vision to use your word in hindsight, it all worked out. And the listeners here are, they're not, that's not where they are. So best you can remember, when you sat there the day before you went to visit Gino Wickman, the day before you learned to delegate the, that first round of stuff where your paraly- chief paralegal, your head lawyer, your head, um, I forget what the third person was, all said, well, the, the, the admin staff, I guess, will take on those direct reports. Did you see yourself as a good businessman? 
Or the good runner of a law firm since you didn't know it was a business? I mean, I knew, listen, like you said, I was making more money than I ever thought I'd make. Right. I don't even know if I knew what the definition was then. I didn't think in those terms. I knew that I, such a really good question, Chris, you know, because one of the first things Gino had us do was come up with our core values that I know you help people set all the time. And, and I never heard the term core value. It was a right. new concept to me. And, and he said, what makes you guys successful? How are you bringing in five, $6 million a year in fees? How are you doing all the things you're doing? So the four of us over a two, three hour period, Gino pulled out six characteristics that we had in us, not that we wanted to be, right. but we had in us in that on that day. And we came up with six. They're the same six we've ever had. Never changed them. We could change them every year if we wanted. We've never changed them. And they were like just things like dedicated to winning. You know, mm-hmm. if I lost a case of motion, a trial, I was sick to my stomach. I was devastated. It kept me up at night. And Gino taught us that from now on, Michael, for the next 30, 40 years of practicing law, you're never going to hire somebody who doesn't have that drive in them. Right. And I never heard that concept again, Chris, I'm just saying I never, I didn't make this up. Everybody talks about core values, but it changed the, the, the way my firm thinks and operates. So I, I, you know, I have 150, 160 employees right now. And I've gone through, we've had another 150, 200 that's come through the doors. And I try to make sure that they, you know, that they care about outrageous customer service, that they care about our people, right? Right. No, because because I think a lot of people hear core values and they, you know, they think these these posters that, that you know, have these trite sayings and they just go like, well, I'll pick seven, nine and 12. Those those sound good to me. Uh, but you're saying these really like the word core, they're not just values. The word core is important. It is. And, in, 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 you know, one of my in the book, we talk about you have to have a coach. Hopefully that coach is skilled in fireproof language, EOS language that, that helps people set core values. It helps people run good meetings. It helps people hold people accountable, helps people figure an org chart, know their numbers, all these basic things that I think are now basic, which weren't basic then that helped me go from bringing in 5 million in fees to 55 million in fees in not a very long period of time. And in my opinion, these are the things that stop people from scaling and growing and living their best happiest lives is just not knowing these concepts because they're not that complicated. I agree. So I want to take another break here, not because I want to stop talking, but because I want to give our sponsors a a word. Um, But when we come back, I want to shift the conversation a little bit because I think we've really made the point about needing this operational person, a COO, an integrator to use other language, but somebody who can help to make things actually happen. So the visionary Let me just say, I've run into folks, visionaries, who actually are unhappy because none of their visions get done, right? They just, like, they get sick and tired of having a vision because it never happens. It's just, and it's it's defeating. So those are really important. What I do want to talk about, though, is, like, one of the keys to me, one of the really great takeaways from Fireproof, it would be a shame to let you go without talking about it, is differentiation in marketing. And I just would like to hit that as part of what you do um, as soon as we come back from our sponsors. Find out how TimeSolve fits your firm. With six different ways to track time, surely one will fit, even on the go. Or quickly estimate flat fee projects. Batch payments for hundreds of invoices at once with TimeSolve Pay. Getting paid quickly is a great fit. And 
TimeSolve fits with the other tools you use. QuickBooks, LawPay, NetDocuments, LawRuler, Microsoft, all just plug in. Try TimeSolve free. Get a $100 Amazon gift card when you sign up. TimeSolve.com. Nearly 80% of people search for lawyers online. They visit websites and check reviews. If your site doesn't appear in the top search results or it presents poorly, you risk losing clients. That's why you must know how your firm stacks up on Google against the competition. See how your reviews impact clients' decisions and how you can get better results from your site. Get an unbiased marketing performance report in under a minute right now at Grow Law Firm. And that's growlawfirm.com slash unbillable. Once again, growlawfirm.com slash unbillable. All right, we are back with Mike Morse. He is the founder of Mike Morse Law Firm and the author of Fireproof. And we've been talking about law firms as a business. We've been talking about Mike's realization, transformation into a business owner and delegation of a lot of the operations of the business so he could continue to exert and be his genius. But one of his geniuses, and if you've read Fireproof or if you will after this podcast, which I recommend, um, you'll also see that, that Mike is a different kind of marketer. And if you're listening to this podcast, I know you are bombarded on a daily, weekly basis in Facebook, in LinkedIn, and everywhere else with pitches from, from marketing companies. And for the most part, they all want you to do the same old, same old. So Mike, I was really inspired by, by what you wrote about how you saw marketing a different way. So could you just talk about how you differentiated your firm and grew it um, based on doing marketing differently? Chapter five in our book is called Cherry Garcia Beats Vanilla. Mm-hmm. It's a basic concept that I, my gut came up with when I was forced to go on TV in 2011. I was getting 70% of my cases from a, another law firm, and they decided to stop sending to me in one day. I had 30 employees, and we were, we were doing really well. I was sending that lawyer $4 million a year in referral fees, and out of the blue- 70% to zero. 70% to zero overnight. And I, you know, looked at the data, realized I had to market myself. I had to advertise myself. I had saved some money and I said, I got to go on TV to compete. And I started watching TV commercials in my state and across the the country. And I realized that every single legal commercial was vanilla. It was boring. It was a commodity. They're all doing the same thing. It was this herd mentality because and I kind of thought that too. I'm like, well, if it's working for him and he's driving right. cars and he's wealthy, then it's the same old, same old. And I said, though, there, there was over $30 million a year being spent in my market. And I said, nobody knows my name. I don't have a very good phone number. How am I going to compete? So I said, I have to be different. I have to do something different I, or else I'm not going to compete. It won't work. I'll waste a lot of money. So I came up with different types of commercials. I found a very good creative person. We have won the last three years in a row, the best 30 second spot in legal advertising uh, from the national trial lawyers. And I've, I've, I have, they call this golden gavel awards. And we, we've won it the thirties, the sixties, the fifteens. And basically it's, they're funny. They make fun of myself. They make fun of personal injury lawyers. I brought my mom onto the commercials. I read that. That was awesome. Love. I bring my dog on the commercials. 
All my commercials are on my YouTube channel, Mike Morse Law Firm. You can see them all. And it's inspired uh, lawyers across the country to make their commercials better. Mm-hmm. I've helped people make their commercials better. And I cut through the noise. So one of my goals that I set five, six, seven years ago was to be a household name in Michigan. And within a year after that goal, it happened. And if you drive in an Uber or a taxi from the airport and you say, who, who's the best lawyer in town or who's the biz- biggest lawyer? I've been told by my friends who asked that question that, that my name comes up a lot. And I've only been on TV for 10 years, 11 years. And, and so that's a pretty quick, and it, this, you know, it, it's been a while. So I believe in, in, in not being boring, right. in not being scared, in being funny. I believe in brand. I don't believe in, I, I don't do a lot of call to action commercials where you sit up there and no fee consultation, or I don't have boxing gloves and I don't have cheesy stuff that put people to sleep. People know what I do for a living. So when my mom and I get on there and have fun and make people laugh, I get people, I've had five people today ask for pictures with me, ask for telling me how much they love my commercials, ask me where my mom is. I guarantee you, not only my competitors in my market, but across the country that people don't run up to them. I love your commercials. I guarantee you (laughs) because 98% of them suck. And everybody watching this podcast, listening to this podcast knows their market and, and probably cringe when they see the lawyer commercials. Right. So yeah, anybody that's listening to this, that's watched television past 11 o'clock knows exactly what you're talking about. Paint the picture. Like what's like, what's one of the ones that you're the most proud of? So one of the ones that put us on the map and there's a good backstory because I didn't want to do it, but we were trying to come up with the notion of, you know, not everything is as it seems. And there was some just for various reasons, but my creative team came up with a commercial where um, I'm walking out of a uh, courthouse or out of a restaurant with a lawyer and um, guy is getting into his car and he drops his wallet. And I, Pick it up. I'm like, sir, sir, you, you, you dropped your wallet. And he just takes off in his car. So I start running after him. And it was 20 degrees out. I, mean, I have a briefcase in my hand and I'm running in a suit and a tie. And all of a sudden, an ambulance goes by me. Sirens and lights. And a guy in a barbershop is videotaping it. And then all of a sudden, you hear a newscaster. Uh, Attorney Mike Morse is caught chasing an ambulance and, you know, Twitter's going crazy and all this stuff. And it's a really beautiful commercial. And then my billboard, my, my tag comes up, Mike Morse Law Firm, my phone number. And then at the very end of the commercial, I'm seen giving the wallet back to the guy. Hey, man, you forgot your wallet. I've gotten hundreds of thousands of views, tens of uh, thousands of emails. Um, that's people's favorite. It's my mm-hmm. favorite. It made us like nobody does that, right? Nobody. It's obviously personal injury lawyers don't being like calling, don't like being called ambulance chasers. Right. I turned it on its head. I made it funny. I made it good. And it not, and it's and just be listen, when people call people ambulance chasers, it doesn't mean that's a bad thing necessarily. We're not ambulance chasing, right? We are helping people. We are getting people the the, the money they deserve. Um, that's just one of the examples of not everything as it, is as it seems. And it worked for me. Our calls went up 30%. And every year, that was a Super Bowl commercial. Oh, wow. Yeah. Every year we do a Super Bowl commercial. We did one called The Masked Man, where I'm black and white commercial. And I'm running around to Lone Ranger music. There's no words. 
just the Lone Ranger music. That was a 60-second spot on the Super Bowl. Again, calls go up. People comment. It's all about attention. It's all about getting people's attention to to your brand, to your commercial. And what is your brand? Them. Like you, you keep saying that word. Like what? How should people understand that? What? Did, like because they obviously people shouldn't do your brand. My brand is built around winning. My brand is built around my phone number. It's eight five five Mike wins. I win. And quite frankly, I was the first one in my market in 2011 to, to use that word. And now everybody in my market's using that word. Everybody's changed their number to have the word win in it. 50 years of winning, one of my competitors has on their billboards now, wins on everything. And I was the first one to use it. Um, I have a commercial. I have a shot of commercial sitting at this desk. I'm sitting on the edge of the desk. And I'm looking at a dictionary. And I'm like, a lot of lawyers try to throw around the, the W word. They call themselves winners, but winning, that's Mike Morse. And I open up the dictionary and it's clearly a dictionary. And you look up the word win and my face is there. (laughs) And I look at the camera, I'm like, just as I suspected. (laughs) And it was in response to all these people changing their numbers, changing their billboards, changing their taglines to copy me. I have a lawyer across the street from me who's, who's put a, I have a big sign in my building, black and red with my phone number, black and red. She did the same thing. Completely oh, wow. ripped it off. Wow. And um, they say it's the, the you know, form of flattery or whatever. But anyway, so that's my brand. People know it. People know that I like to win. But so it's interesting. Your message is be different. And then everybody, what you're saying is a lot of people were like, well, let's be different just like Mike. Which then, of course, means you're going to have to figure out how to be different again, right? Well, uh, yeah. And, and nobody's, Chris, I have, there's competitors in my market who say, I'm not going to put my mom on my commercials. I'm going to just work hard, blah, 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 blah. And they're just total arrogant assholes. And people, it backfires in my opinion. It backfires. I mean, they can rip on me. They can make fun of me. They come after me because I'm the new guy in town. And all of a sudden I have, I mean, we, we, we're two or three times larger than any other personal injury firm in the state in a short period of time. Yeah. They should have just kept sending you those referrals and you, you would have stayed fat and happy, right? You said that. I didn't say that. They're very nice nice people. Sure. But I'm very, listen, it was a great, all of these problems, that's a different podcast. We can talk about this later, but every problem I've had, every calamity, my, I go up 50%, a hundred percent. I mean, in, in, in happiness, in revenue, in, in everything that, that matters. Um, Not, I mean, the getting fired, I went on my own. Right. Uh, Having that lawyer fire me. I went on TV. I, I went from 17 million to 150 million. Like, thank you for firing me. That's a whole nother concept, a whole nother podcast. But it, it, these were the greatest things, the greatest lessons I've ever learned, uh, the greatest life improvements. I wish I had the courage to have done those things on my own. I mean, hopefully I inspire people who hear these things when something bad happens to, to make the best out of it because they're not that bad of things. And I think that's a great place to leave this. So we will. Um, I think, yeah, the, that that the adversity, the bad things, like find the gift. It's there. It's always there. That will wrap up this edition of the Unbillable Hour. I thank you to my listeners for listening. Our guest today has been Michael Morris, the founder of the Mike Morris Law Firm. 855-MIKE-WINS. Um, Mike, if people want to learn more about what we talked about, want to learn more about Fireproof, want to learn more about coaching, how can they get in touch with you? 
So fireproofmasterclass.com, 855mikewins.com. They can email me at uh, mike at 855mikewins. I'm on all the social media channels. I love connecting with people who have questions and want to talk about the book or want to have me come speak at their seminars or webinars or whatever. I I love teaching and uh, I, I respond personally. Perfect. That's wonderful. Thank you. And of course, this is Christopher T. Anderson, and I look forward to seeing you next month with another great guest as we learn more about topics that help us build a law firm business that works for you. Remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. Thanks for joining us, and we will speak again soon. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition, right here with Legal Talk Network. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu slash interactive or download PLI's mobile app.